The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. back everybody to another episode of bub in the bloom episode 25 going to continue our positional review of the 2022 fantasy baseball season heading to the outfield a fun fun position that you awesome listeners apparently wanted to uh, talk about as well which is great to see because you guys are bringing the questions and comments this week which is what we encourage especially this time of the year so keep them coming we'll get to those that'll help feel most of the show which is great also this time next week, we'll be in Arizona, and we'll be doing a live show in a couple nights. It's going to be awesome, but uh, we'll get to that as well. But first off, you can find me on Twitter at BD Intric, and my co-host is always on Twitter at Ryan BHQ, Ryan Bloomfield. How we doing, man? That's right, man. One one week. I hope I hope your voice I hope your voice is in is in is in peak form for first pitch next week. Better better to get it now than yep. than uh, than during during the event. Yep, as you know, with little ones, they pick up every possible sickness in daycare, and I'm usually like 90% of the way in the clear, but every once in a blue moon, she gets me, and she got me. So uh, here we are battling through this, lots of fun, but uh, couldn't ask for a better thing to battle through. I love talking fantasy baseball, I love talking to to Bloom over here, and um, this alpha position is fun, because it's uh, obviously a deep position, but it's also got some, you know, they are judges of the world. Some sneaky ones. Our buddy Scott Jens that already noticed Teoscar Hernandez. Like, wow. And that's the point of these exercises like we talk about. It's like, you know, the roto season is a long season. So if you can like it's it's the it's the old thing is when do you give up a guy or when do you stick with the guy? If you stuck with the Oscar, you're good. We have a listener question from Richard Sands. If you stuck with GD Martinez, not so good. That's the tough part about fantasy baseball, one of the many tough yeah. parts. But uh, we'll get to all of that as we do before every review episode. We'll briefly talk uh, talk playoffs. We have the World Series on tap, Ryan. World Series is ready to rock and roll. Phillies, Houston. I think I had Houston versus Atlanta, so I'm halfway there. You were a big Phillies guy. So uh, what are your thoughts here? What, who, who do you got winning this thing? 
I think I had I think I had LA Houston to start, but I did. My consolation is I did have Philly go to the uh, NLCS at least. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I anything's going to happen in a in a short series. I'm just hoping for six games. I just hope we get six Friday night and then uh, game seven. Yeah, so our, our live show would be like right after. Yep. Game six. So. It could have I been mean, a similar, similar viewership, I would think, but. But, yeah. but but yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. Could be a clenching game six, right into Bubba and the Bloom. Like who could ask that would for be more? Pretty I'm wild. Saying. Yeah, because if we're sitting at the bar the whole time watching the game, I can only imagine what the show is going to be like. Just going to throw yeah. that out there. So yeah, maybe, it's going to be a fun. Maybe one. we don't root for a game six. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want one because I want all that entertainment in the yeah. live audience. So bring yeah. it, people. Bring it early and sure. often. For um, sure. I, so. I mean, I think. I mean, I. I've always said all along, like Nola Wheeler, like that's the yep. that's the duo that can that can do it. And then if you get like Bryce Harper doing what he's doing, and this team gets hot, which they are, it's all you need. Um, always have said postseason's a crapshoot. I mean that that said, I mean Houston is like an absolute juggernaut. I I, I would say Houston in six. I kind of lean Houston in five, but I'll go six just for the um, the entertainment of our li- of our live show um, yeah. afterwards. You'd have to imagine that's through six games. It's four Wheeler Nola starts. Hopefully, they can win three of those potentially, or at least two yep. of them to get you to six. So that's that's kind of what you're shooting for in that one. But, but, it, but it's it's those other ones where it's it's Ranger, it's the bullpen, it's um, it's rough. You got we got our boy Bailey Falter going out there for yep. a couple innings. Like that that's where they can get in trouble uh, re- yep. real quick. Yeah, it was funny. Um, I won't go too deep into it, but I was golfing in Santa Barbara last Saturday. We finished golfing and we went to. Um, a sports bar and the game just started and i saw it was falter versus uh some like it was clevenger and my buddy was like he's from la jolla and he's like oh padres i'm like no you want the phillies and the massive over in this one and he's like no no it's four nothing san diego i said live bet the phillies and take the live over they're gonna get over 15 runs and so we left about the fifth inning and i just kept texting him score updates every time a run would score he stopped responding to me after a while the, the the Clevenger fade is 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 pretty. It's an age old tradition. Pretty monumental. But, but yeah, hopefully but, we'll get some uh, good World Series action while we're in Arizona. But until yeah. then, we got the outfield review on this show. And as we we do with these positions, we'd look at the ADP from the NFBC main events towards the end of draft season. Compare it to the Rasball Player Rater end of season rankings for the outfield position. See who got the job done for you. Where the values were, the pockets. It's fun to see the depth of positions. And um, kind of how we talked about at the beginning, some guys that you might think didn't perform well actually did perform well. And you'll be quite surprised by the overall situation. We'll talk about some guys we did good with, bad with, so on and so forth, the usual. And then all of your great listener questions. And we'll start right at the top. The number one drafted player in the alpha was Juan Soto at ADP4. And he had a rough second half, or at least rough with the Padres. Still finished 20th, 242, 27 homers, six stolen bases. Not ideal. But again, one of those things we say didn't crush you, but definitely not what you're looking for at the position ranks. No, not what you were looking for, especially when you had like a Kyle Tucker going later in the first round who finished third, like and, and Mookie Betts even, who was going probably back wheel of the 15 teamers and and finished uh second overall. So or not overall. These are whenever we say these rankings, it'll be outfield only. So Betts was the second um, overall outfielder, I guess I can say. And then Tucker finished third in the outfield. Um, but yeah, getting back to Soto, like I, th- I think we talked about him a little while ago where like, ah, 
you almost want to i almost want to fall in the trap of saying he's better real life player than fantasy player but um he kind of is like the obp is fantastic so if you're an obp or points league like i mean by all means go after Juan Soto. It was, it was a great year and this rank of 20th overall among outfielders would probably be even higher in, in OBP leagues, but we're, we're talking strictly five by five. And the big thing, not just the 242 batting average, the big thing for me, like for next year is that trade to the Padres. Like he, um, he did not steal a base after that trade. And I don't think he even attempted to steal a base. So I just wonder like, is that stolen base, expectation of like six to ten bags is that gone and then at that point are you comparing Juan Soto fantasy wise to like a Vlad Guerrero or Jordan Alvarez who we'll probably talk about in a little bit as well and that's the case I'm probably going Vlad and Alvarez over Soto for next year but it's a, it's an interesting um interesting kind of confluence of factors there for for Soto going to uh, San Diego yeah he's going to be a guy I think us and many other shows are going to talk about a lot this offseason because there's a lot of questions. Like, none of us would be shocked if he bounced back next year, hits close to 300. It's like 30 plus home runs and steals 15 bases because he's still young and he's Juan Soto. And none of us would be surprised by that. And he'd be worth every bit of a fourth overall pick. At the same time, you mentioned Kyle Tucker, who has picked uh, 12th overall, third in the Raider. Um, Bryce Harper picked ninth overall, finished 26, but we, he missed a ton of time and still put up 18 homers, 11 stolen bases. And you already mentioned what he's doing in the postseason. So we know he's a, a bona fide stud time and time again. You mentioned what Betts did. Mike Trout, who missed a bunch of time, picked 17th overall, 10th on the player Raider. Yeah. Like the only guy in, in the top six was Lou Bob, who was picked 13th, finished 49th, still hit 284, 12 and 11. And that was injuries again. So it's, um, you know, you got the Harper injuries, you got the Lou Bob injuries, even Trout got injured. Uh, Lou Bob's the only one that didn't really finish where you would hope to finish, but he also missed a ton of time. So that's another conundrum that we're going to talk about a lot with Lou Bob is how do you trust him because he has that injury history, but he's also got, we know the ceilings there for Lou Bob. So when you look at like the, the overall, I guess, because there's so many outfielders to talk about, we don't have to talk about every single one of them, but like even top 11, if you just want to go Trout, Acuna, Buxton, Alvarez, Marte, T. Oscar, they were all in the top 20 except Lou Bob and Buxton who serious injury situations. So in the grand scheme of things, if you picked in, in Teoscar's 33rd ADP, so you're talking about basically the top two rounds for the most part, you got a top 20 outfielder by the end of the season. Um, so they didn't really crush you unless you got Buxton or, or, or Lewis Robert. So what's your thoughts on um, everybody talks about, you know, five outfielders, you got to attack it early and often. And it seems like it pays off at least uh, for the most part. Seems like it did this year. It's so hard for me to like, <laughs> it's hard to calibrate outfield. Yeah. So we've been staring at middle infield, corner infield the last two weeks. And it's just like, you're going from rostering maybe two of those guys on your team to starting five of them. And it's, it's really hard to stare at what we're looking at. I tweeted out the top 30 ADP. I'll probably spit out the top 80 when the episode drops. It's just a lot to look at. Um, and what we're seeing, what I'm actually seeing in the draft champions that we're doing is outfield is kind of falling pretty quick. So yeah. just getting those five spots is is tough. But, I mean, yeah, Luis, Robert, Buxton were the only two, like, kind of real big busts. It's interesting, like, and 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 Scott Jensen made this point about Teoscar that, that you uh, brought up, Bubba, was, like, not realizing um, some of these second-half surges. And, like, one of the things I don't realize is how um, – how high some of these guys finished like Mike Trout finishing 10th among outfielders was really interesting to me because we all think of Mike Trout as uh, 
really for 2022 kind of a bust. Um, and maybe some of that is like, there were these rumors that his career was over. And I know by the time we were drafting our August draft champions for the following year, he slipped to the late fifth round because we didn't know what was going on, but it's crazy to go 283, 40 home runs missing that time. This obviously does not bank in the replacement level value that you got while trout was out. It's like, man, are we back in on Mike trout? Like in the second round? next year because what he did last year in a partial season 10th in the outfield like you almost kind of take that um and i mean i took trout in the second round of my main event and could could have done much worse um than than someone like trout so that was an interesting one to me um whit merrifield was the other one who he was like 12th overall um in adp for outfielders and that was one that kind of that kind of busted big time a little bit out of the blue i was more on a more merrifield guy than than some others but him buxton and uh and luis robert were 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 not not great but the rest of them pretty pretty solid yeah pretty darn solid he can keep going down said mullins he was 41st overall 13th outfield finished ninth so justin mason all right so yep you mentioned him but we need we we do need the on-air apology Bubba. I don't know what I'm apologizing for, though. That's the part <laughs> I'm confused about. Um, I said he was. Were you worth... a fade? I don't. I I can't. Remember. I wasn't a fade. I was. He's not a top thirty pick. That was my argument. I guess he maybe is. Like, what's his overall player rate? That's my question. Justin sees the nine, and I think he's like blinded by the light. What was his overall? Is he still a top thirty value? Probably, pretty close. But um, I wasn't against that. I was against the top thirty overall pick. Twenty nine. With... 29? 29. Okay, well, there you go. On the dot. Justin Mason, I'm sorry. Is that what you wanted? Are you happy now? Now, you learn those two words and tell Danielle you're sorry once in a while. That would go a long ways for you. So, um, yes, yeah, said Mullins. I like it. And um, the disappointing part was said, I guess, 16 homer is not bad. You're, you're used to the 30-30, but 34 steals is still pretty darn impressive and hit 258, even with the, the ballpark shifts there in uh, in Baltimore. So that was a a good thing for him given he's left-handed, so it shouldn't have affected him a bunch. But and then you had Aaron Judge, who shocked the world, Ryan, and people are already talking about him being the number one overall pick potentially in certain leagues. So top 14 outfielders, three busts, not too shabby. The crazy thing with Judge, and I know like we want to get a lot deeper than just talking about Aaron Judge, but this just came up uh because we're doing we we actually Corbin Young got his uh forecaster box. Um, this week and and i'm working with corbin editing some of his stuff the craziest thing that i saw in judge's box though he hit 62 home runs in the forecaster we have an expected home run total based on uh stat cast so your launch angle exit velocity it's not even park factored aaron judge had 67 expected home runs he actually underperformed his power um last year that is just wild to think about and i think judge had 37 expected home runs in the second half so bonzi and pace in the second half from a pure skill standpoint and again that's not even factoring in the park which i know for right-handed hitter yankee stadiums you know nowhere near what it is for lefties but uh that was wild it was and then we get to one of our biggest busts of the year, and I was a full fade of this one. So if Justin Mason maybe wants to apologize to me or whoever else, that'd be great too. But um, apparently Coors doesn't help everybody. Randall Kritchik won. But Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant, 53rd overall, 15th outfielder, finished 163, 306, five homers, no stolen bases, missed most of the season with injury. But the way he was playing, I don't even know if injury would have saved him from being worth anything on this list. I'm also biased, so I'm going to go with that. 
But um, we don't have to go too deep on Chris Bryant because that'll be another fun one to discuss. But yeah, Nick Castellanos, mixed season for him. That was a, a bummer, 52nd in the play Raider. But then you get some some good and bad. George Springer, 11th. Randy Rosarena, 8th. That helps me a lot. You had Eloy, 68th. Lots of injuries. Cattell Marte, 63rd. Tons of injuries. But then one that our buddy Ben Tidd mentioned, and we'll probably dig into a deeper in the listener questions, Bill Barton, Dalton Varshow, 14th in the outfield. And most people draft him just for catcher, and Ben made a great point. He finished 14th in the outfield with 27 homers and 16 steals. That might make him just outfield enough, like eligible in the outfield is good enough for him in the grand scheme of things, which is pretty cool to look at. Again, why I like this exercise, Ryan. That was a really good point. It's something I totally did not see. So, Ben, shout out, man. Um, for a catcher to be the 14th yeah. outfielder is, is pretty nuts. And so just kind of we'll see what he does next, what Varsho does next year, but Kind of tuck that away for maybe 2024 if Dalton Varsho were to lose catcher eligibility. The market may be a little bit more down on him again, assuming some type of similar repeat in 2023 for Varsho, which you know that that that's a that's another debate for another pod. But um just super impressive to see a catcher go that high in outfield. And and Ben's point was really like Varsho's not great because he's a catcher. He's actually I mean, he's legit. So fantasy asset, just fa- flat out, just a fantasy ball player, which is great to see because we have so many conversations where you know you're not ever going to start him in the outfield. Why would you start him in the outfield? Well, you can yeah, start him might. in the outfield. There's yeah. been times, there's leagues, and, and, and even like for me, I've found like in deeper leagues for whatever reason, maybe maybe this is wrong, but this is just kind of my perception. I have found there's more catcher playable targets on waivers than oh, yeah. other. Um, other positions so like mm-hmm. maybe you do use Dalton Varsho in a pinch certain fab weeks where there's just nothing out there um there's actually like semi I mean that's that was one of your big things but throughout the season was you could kind of find decent catchers you stream catchers years, so. you could stream like I was playing Eric Koss in the outfield once in a while just because you had to it was wild but deeper leagues you could make magic happen and and and, we, and we've now devolved to from an outfield podcast to, to catchers to we're a back. catcher pod. But, we're back. Uh, um, um, I'll, just I'll real st- quick, one thing on on Chris Bryant because I know Chris Olson uh, who listens to the show regularly and also coming out to first pitch playing golf with us uh, yep. next week. Mentioned Chris Bryant because we did not bring him up in the third base episode. Just one super like interesting thing, and I know this isn't a thing, um, but it is a testament to just this fact of regression and and variance from a kind of true talent level. Chris Bryant's five by five earnings since 2017. This is from HQ values in 2017 is 25 bucks, then nine, then 21, then one, then 22 and then four last year. So like, what's the next number? So do we follow the curve? This is the $20 sequence. year. Right. Like, I, I mean, that's not, that's not a thing, but it's just interesting to see him bounce up and down so much. Uh, for next season i think that i don't know if i had it like that was just a very simple way of describing his ups and downs i think that's just why i was kind of off of him as a draft cost is at that point in the draft i want something a little more secure then again i draft luis robert so what do i have to know but um it's just with lou bob yeah i'm not gonna go into you know chris bryant we've just seen full seasons still not produce and that's where it's like frustrating robert's just can you stay healthy just one year please just one year I yeah. took him in TGFBI, so uh, I'll, I'll, misery loves company, man. Yep, yep. Uh, after Varsho, we had Brian Reynolds, picked 97, 25th. And this one is, a, a, again, I'll say it probably way too much on the show, why I love this exercise, because he seemed like to have a blah season. 
Like, you know, last in 2021 was all about Brian Reynolds hitting for average power, all this stuff. And then people got hyped on him. And it's kind of, you know, 262, 27 homers, seven steals, 25th on the player rater. That's pretty impressive. You got JDM, JD Martinez, 50th on the player. He hit 274, 16 homers, but didn't do much on the second half. That's for darn sure. Uh, Christian Yelich, 21st in the player rater, pick 101. That's a big year, big comeback. Tommy Edmond, 12th. And then the Shore Bombs. Even though he hit 218, oh. 46 homers, 10, stolen 10 steals bases for Kyle Schwarber, sixth on the player rater. Imagine drafting Aaron Judge and Kyle Schwarber at their price tags, getting all that power. Like, that's how you win overalls, Ryan. We've talked about maybe this is maybe I look at this a little more detail. I know we talked about like Yuli Gurriel and Vlad Jr. on the first base episode, just random stolen base spikes. And that this is probably the most random is, is Schwarber going to 10 in his career. Let's see. He had 12 um, in six seasons and then grabbed 10 this year. So um, I don't think any of that comes back again next year, but just to say stolen bases are, are a fickle, fickle stat, but what a year from Schwarber, despite the two, whatever it was. Yeah. 218 batting average. And I guess like we talked about it with like Altuve and some others, the player raiders really you can almost throw batting average out. It seems like unless it's like an elite batting average, power speed that's what like really boosts you up the list. And we've seen that time and time again with some of these guys. Um, yeah, Giancarlo, fifty first on the Raider, two eleven thirty one zero. Miles Straw, whew, that one didn't turn out mm. too well. Mitch Haniger, Akil Badu, that one stung as well. So just get three straight duds or four if you want to count Giancarlo Bellinger. 45th in the player, 210, 19, and 14. Then Franamil stunk, Lourdes Gurriel, which you pointed out in a tweet, was injured. So that helps a lot. And then we get to the seventh overall on the player Raider. Pick 142, 34th outfielder off the board, will be a first round top five pick in almost every draft, I think, this year. Julio Rodriguez, 284, 28, 25, legit 30, 30 potential. Again, you could have almost gotten Stanton, Schwarber, and J Rod without taking an early positional outfielder Ryan. yeah a lot of boomer bust in this section i'll we'll, i'll hit on j-rod in a little bit i want to loop him in with um another outfielder who put up actually put up first round value from a later adp so we'll get we'll get to j-rod in in just a second um yeah a lot of boomer bust in this one like i i, I remember akil badu being a major major polarizing player back in um Back in March and April, I do know that's one of the L's that we took for the forecaster. We slapped an upside, I think, of 2020 on Badu, and obviously missed that. Just got off to a terrible start. Didn't play against lefties. Miles Straw, your cautionary tale every year. Your Delino De Shields all star um, of just trying, trying, trying to stay away from these one trick ponies. There's just so much uh, downside. I mean, Straw did have 21 steals. There was something there, but that's only because Cleveland, for whatever reason, maybe his defense is good. I, mean, I don't have his defensive metrics on me, but um, but that was uh, that was a bust. And again, just another reason to to balance out your production when you're building your roster and not put yourself in a hole where you need to um, where you need to go stolen base only. A couple other guys. So yeah, I mentioned Lourdes Gurriel, like. This is the weirdest time of, of year, man, where like we don't get much news, but the news we do get is like player A <laughs> played three months with 13 
cracked ribs and a <laughs> punctured spleen, and his power went down in the second half because of it. Um, there's been a few of those. Like Nelson Cruz apparently hasn't been able to see out of one eye for uh, over a year. So there's all these like interesting kind of end of season recaps where it's like, yeah, he was hurt. Yeah, he you know had one leg in the second half. Those kinds of things. Um, it's not a for sure like 100% bet that Lourdes Gurriel is going to rebound or any of these guys who played hurt. Um, Jeff Zimmerman's done some really good research on that that it's not a sure thing that they'll just snap back to full health and, and be fine next year. But it is interesting with Guriel, um, what happened there. So, um, I, don't know, I guess he brought up Brian Reynolds. That was an interesting one and kind of along that line, Bubba of kind of not realizing in season gains. Brian Reynolds hit, I think his April was below 200. Yeah. Hit 194 in April, two homers hit 224 in May. And then got hurt in July and then came back in August, September, hit 270, over 270 both of those months, over five homers in both of those months with four steals. So like Brian Reynolds very quietly um, overcame a really bad start and and had a pretty sneaky, decent year. Yeah, pretty sneaky, decent for sure. I guess one way to kind of just wrap up the top 40 here, if you start with Giancarlo at 27, 27 through 40, you had basically two top 30 players. You, like you said, it's playing with fire. So I guess it does justify taking some outfielders early because you need five, and it gets obviously murky the murky the farther and farther we go down this list. So maybe you do get aggressive early on. There's something to be said about that. Or you just pray you get lucky with some of your picks as you go on because after J-Rod, you got Trent Christian with 76. I don't know who Ryan oh. is. Um, Mountcastle. Ryan Mountcastle, 30th. I bet. Suzuki, there you go. Suzuki, uh, 58th. Save Suzuki. Chris Taylor, 91st, Jared Klinik, 180. And then Jesse Winker has got some interesting stories coming out about him right now. Yeah. Uh, 94th. So, yeah, that 27 through 40, some guys you, I know I did and others did, went into draft season going, I could easily see like this or that. Like, that's a good value. None of them really panned out for you outside of J Rod and Mountcastle. So, I guess if there's any takeaway from the top 40, that kind of justifies taking some guys early to kind of get at least probably three of your five outfielders, if not four, if you really want to get aggressive. Yeah. But, um, and I say top 40, so that's like top 163 picks is the way it goes. So that's one way to look at it, not just top 40 overall, but um, top 40 outfielders. And we talk about starting five, it makes you really think roster construction wise, should I be more aggressive and get at least three early on, maybe four and, and pick those, like we talked about the value later at certain positions on middle infield and corner infield and, and target that, or maybe go deeper on pitching later on and we'll get to pitching in future weeks. But looking at these um, early bloom boards kind of gives you a, an idea of maybe getting a little more aggressive, at least for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's been actually even more, I think, I think aggressive with steals too. Um, Cause yeah. I, again, on our corner up corner, yeah, can't speak tonight. Corner infield episode. We were like, man, there's just no, steals and one of the questions that came up in our middle infield episode was like i think it revolved around uh cory seager just like is he a good shortstop pick it's like it from a from a valuation standpoint like yes he was fine but at some point you got to think where are you going to get your steals the interesting thing with outfield in 2022 it was very top heavy with steals so i'm counting for guys that had 25 or more steals it's kyle tucker acuna cedric mullins Rosa Reyna, Tommy Edmond, and J-Rod. That's six guys. Um, 
after that, your only outfielders that had more than 25 steals. Yeah, like as I scan it. Yep, it's just two. It's two outside of the first like 10 rounds. And that was Adelise Garcia and Jorge Mateo. So that's actually, that's a pretty wild split of, and I know like 25 steal, that's completely arbitrary number. I just kind of threw out there as I'm I'm looking at the sheet, but um, not only do I think you need to get two or three outfielders early, they need to be of the speed variety. um, Unless you somehow have some unicorns in the infield that, uh, um, or catcher that, that get you those bags. And I guess it goes to like, you know, the Tobies of the world. This is why I take JTR in round four. Right. I get yep. to like it. It, it kind of, it, yep. it, like, like I've said many times, the more I've talked with him on shows and recorded with him, I was always anti take catcher early. But the more you look at the construction, it's like, okay, I can see. That's why I like, that's why I started to love Varsho last year. I'm like, I'll take my chance on Varsho. He'll get me steals. Um, and there's just some extra value in that uh, at the catcher's position, just like you said, at the outfield as it dries up there as well. Um, Definitely, it's like a thing that everyone talks about: roster construction, roster construction, roster construction. But um, it, it's interesting looking at this. And when we get to the the back forty here, a lot of red, a lot of red or pink, I'll say at least. It gets really interesting outside of a couple names. You got Ozuna. Obviously, we know what happened there. Eddie Rosario. I don't think anybody oh. saw that happen in two twelve, five homers, three steals, one seventy on the play Raider. Abigail Garcia, garbage. Dylan Carlson, Benintendi was okay. Like he didn't crush you three, but only five homers and eight steals. Like he, he hit for average. Uh, Tommy Pham, not bad. 32nd on the player, Raider, 236, 17 and eight. Injured a lot of the year. Austin Meadows missed most of the season. Hunter Renfro was good. Alex Verdugo was good. So you got a couple like top 40 players here from pick 164 to 186. But you know, even Joe Adele was finished in the top 200. Joe Adele. And Robbie Grossman. And uh, I don't even know if Robbie Grossman, we're like round 45 in our draft. And last time I checked, Robbie Grossman was still, still there, there, which is, is crazy. I think I got so, autoed him. <laughs> Shocker tonight. So, so how name? do you uh, how do you assess this little group? Because like part of me kept, I've been wanting to draft Robbie Grossman for like four rounds. And again, if he starts somewhere, he can't be this bad. But uh, it was that bad last year. It was that bad. There was just a lot of bad. And again, one year does not make a trend, but. Uh, from ADP 109, so that's when Stanton went to ADP 200. Say 200. There were 25 players taken, outfielders taken. The only good ones are Julio Rodriguez, which, well, I'll, I'll get back to that in a sec. Or J Rod Mountcastle, you mentioned them before, but then like really Adelise Garcia, that's about it. Um, can make a case maybe for fam or whatever but um this was just a complete dead spot in 2022 if if you if you waited on outfield or you you filled in your kind of number three number four outfielders in this part of the draft um it it did not turn out well for you and even like j-rod to kind of close the loop on this one his adp was 142 and this is main event adp but by the end i know in my main event which was the night before opening day he was a fourth round pick and so this like 142 is kind of a well obviously it's an average but like j-rod was going much later early in mains and then way higher once um once we found out he was going to start in seattle and we keep going on to pick 203 fifth on the player editor just mentioned him adelise garcia 250 27 and 25 continues to prove naysayers wrong and even us because he went after round seven in our two early draft which was probably might not happen for us the rest of draft season and then it gets ugly again. Joey Gallo, Jorge Soler, 
Randall Gritchick somehow got back up to 40th. Ian Hatt finished 24th. I think that might surprise people hitting 271 with 17 and 9. You got AJ Pollock stunk. Enrique Hernandez. Alex Kirilov got hurt again. My boy Trey Boo Boo. I honestly think Trey Mancini would have had a better number, but once he got traded to Houston, he got platooned. Yeah, so that kind yeah. of put down some production. 239, 18, and 0. Harrison Bader still finished with 17 steals, five homers, 250. Even though he missed last season, Jesus Sanchez, the hot start, went away. And then Adam Duvall, a pretty rough, rough go outside of uh, Adelise, Gritchick, and I'm not even Gritchick, Hap. It, it's, again, a lot of red in this back for you. A lot of red, not much there. The, the one kind of major green spot was Adelise Garcia, finished fifth overall. And I'm pulling it up now because I do this every year. Um, I send this out like right before opening day. And then I I kind of close the loop on it after the season. And okay, yeah, I just got it. So every season from 2015 until now, and probably earlier, but I don't go back before 2015. Every every season there's been a player that's put up first round value um, from the 12th round or later in 15 teamers. And so in 2015, Dallas Keuchel, 2016, our boy. Uh, Jonathan VR yeah. 2017 was judge 2018 Snell 2019 Cattell Marte. Uh, remember that, uh, 2020 Luke Voigt 2021 Cedric Mullins in 2022. Your answer was Adelise Garcia with an honorable mention to J rod who was, um, kind of going, well, going way late early on in draft season. So um, just an interesting little exercise, and I'll do this again next year. Um, there's always that game-changing guy that goes after in double-digit rounds and, and puts up first-round value. And Adelise, man, everyone was off of him, I felt like. I definitely was. It's just like it was one of those. He was kind of a late bloomer, had that great first half to 2021, and then just fell apart in the second half of 2021. And we were all like, yeah, major league pitchers figured him out. Um, not the case. So he was like, yeah, one of the few bright spots out here. Ian Happ was, yeah, kind of one that snuck up like 271. He had, he had a pretty much totally different approach at the plate yep. in 2022. Yeah. Which is like, I don't know how we could have predicted that or how we project that for next year, but um, yeah, 271 with 17 and nine and a bunch of plate appearances. That'll, that'll play. It'll definitely play. Uh, when we drop down even farther, a surprising number 38 overall in the player editor, Charlie Blackman, 264, 16, and 4. That line just doesn't scream attractive to me, but the Raider liked him. You had Austin Hayes, 55th, Ramon Laureano, 85th, 211, 13, and 11, and uh, missed the first month or two, then got hurt. I, I still like the talent there. He's got to improve that batting average, so that'll be something to dig into later on. Gavin Lux, overrated, 64th. I just say that for the people that I argued with on that before. Um, Michael Brantley, Nixon Zell, Will Myers, all 143 or 133 to 145. So another group of red. Before we get to some green, Ryan, do you have anything on that group of fun? Group of fun's a good way to put it. Um, Loriano was, uh, he was one who I was kind of all over, despite I, th I think it was a 30 game suspension um, to start the season and Loriano actually, I mean, his, his ratings way down, but that's a little, he had, he had 13, 11, he did, cause he did maybe, maybe I still like Ramon Loriano more than I, more than I should 13 homers, 11 steals and a two eleven batting average. But I feel like he did it all in like two months. Cause he, he was suspended to start the season and then hurt to end it. Um, 
Blackman, yeah, Blackman was an interesting one. Glad you brought him up. Uh, was a little surprised to see him finish 38th on the Raider, which again is like, isn't fantastic. I mean, that's your third, fourth outfielder um, and only hit 264. So it must have been runs, must have been a bunch of runs scored, which nobody yeah. thinks about. Um, McNeil, like we talked about McNeil, I think, in one of our infield episodes, but. 326 like that's a that's a hitting 326 that's a valuation gem but if you have too much of that um there's just not enough homers and bags there but then we get into a little bit of value here outside of max kepler disappointing jorge mateo 28th on the player as shout out to mike curlin who has always been team jorge hit 221 with 13 homers and 35 steals he had lane thomas 53rd which i'm picking 292 i consider that pretty good 241 17 and 8 um Andrew, who is that? I just see Andrew on my sheet. Um, oh, McCutcheon, uh, 43rd on the player writer, 237, 17 and 8. You got your Stremski somehow still finished 59th, not sure. But then Anthony Santander, the Orioles, the Orioles, folks. You had Mountcastle, Mullins, Mateo, Santander, all top 30 in the outfield. Santander, 240, 33 home runs and zero. So between, um, Mateo, Thomas, McCutcheon, Yastrzemski, and Santander, you at least got a little bit of production out of your anywhere from pick 292 to 302 in that late, late part of the draft. That's crazy, though. But I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that with Baltimore. I wonder how many teams have four outfielders that finished that high, if any. Um, it's the it's the fun stuff that we always joke about late in draft season. Bad teams with good fantasy assets. Given the Orioles turned into a good baseball team, because like yeah, they were okay. We, we could look at the whole roster. Throw um, Adley on there. He's going to be a top, you know, whatever at the position. Um, I don't know who else actually. Now that I think about it, Ron Urias was valuable, but maybe deeperly value wise, uh, Mancini was. Then got traded, but yeah, you got at least four or five top thirty players for Baltimore. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. And the, and the, yeah, the good team, the, the good player on bad team thing. Um, you're right, like Baltimore, they did have a, they did have a run. They, I mean, they were, they were pretty good this year. But they were still, and I think this is going to be a debate going into next season. It'll probably be pretty tiresome because it's probably the same debate that we were having early in the season is Jorge Mateo, man. Because, like, I, it'll be interesting to see what Baltimore, if Baltimore gives that leash with Mateo. I mean, it, it is hard to roll a 267 OBP 
out there on an everyday basis. And if Baltimore, they obviously seem ahead of schedule again, Gunnar Henderson, when he didn't mention that. Yeah. That's another one. Like absolutely fly out next year. Um, I just wonder with that window, maybe being a little bit earlier than Baltimore had thought, are they, are, is that leash on Jorge Mateo going to be tighter? Yeah, it's going to be fun to see how that plays out. We have a long ways to figure it out, but we have a long way. It, it definitely worked out in 2022, and that's well, and again we always talk about the bad teams and just let guys run. This is why we. I mean, I made the joke that VR was our boy uh, yep. when I was going through that list, but that's kind of why. Yep. So. Well, yeah, like, I I don't want to go into a whole. Maybe we'll do a podcast on bad teams, good fantasy players, but like the that's Cubs right. had guys, the Tigers always have guys. Like I mentioned Eric Haas earlier for crying out loud. Like these these bad teams, like. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are on the Angels. The Angels suck. So, like, there's, there's, but we know those names. It's a little different, but you know what I'm trying to say. This one. Um, last three guys, Manny Margot injured a lot, still at 274, four homers, seven steals. Mark Connor, just weird platoon with him. And then Tyler Naquin, when he played, was really good, platooned as well. So, that kind of wraps up your top 80 outfielders. And, um, I'm still sticking with my takeaway, Ryan. It's, uh, it's pretty darn top heavy. There were, so to continue the list, and I, I did not put this on the sheet, but outside of the top um, 80 ADP, there was Michael Harris, who finished 49th overall, which would put him, and so yeah, folks are probably wondering why why we're not talking about Michael Harris, because he wasn't, I don't think he was even drafted, um, but he finished, yeah, 49th overall, which would put him around like 12th outfielder that makes sense yeah almost seems kind of low but i guess he only played a partial season so um you had two stolen base darlings after that these are these are the other two who who were not drafted but put up a pretty good value we've talked about john birdie in the past but jake mccarthy um that's one who i just wanted to bring up to was someone who basically was like not even not drafted but not even rostered until i don't know august well maybe july um but made a major dent late in the season on uh on stolen bases so he was on a lot of teams with sharp players he was a big one you mentioned gunner henderson earlier for the the o's you also stick with the d-backs corbin carroll is going to be one to talk about as well, so he'll be one this time next year with the Michael Harris's of the world and some others, um, McCarthy's and stuff that uh, might not make these lists now, but we'll probably make the list when we do this at the end of the next season. So keep keep those ones in mind for sure as we get through this. But uh, before we get to the listener questions, we'll do our normal exercise in frustration at our great drafting abilities. Um, who is your most targeted outfielder for good or bad? I did a lot of Blue Jays stacking, and so I don't know if this ended up good or bad or just kind of meh, but I had a lot of George Springer and a lot of Teoscar. It worked out pretty good. And it worked out It worked out okay. Teoscar was, was really rough for a while, but IL'd, like you could you could IL him, you could bench him. Um, I think I'd go back to that well again. I'm a, I'm a little, I'm, well, I'm a lot more confident in Teoscar next season than I am George Springer. Springer just had a lot of like day-to-day injuries where he was missing two to three games at a time, no major IL stints or anything like, like Teoscar with the oblique. Um, but that kind of worries me, but yeah, I was, I, I most targeted those Blue Jays outfielders and um, I don't know, feel like it went okay, but it's something process wise. I think I do again. 
Yeah, I'd say for me, my most targeted, if I'm going to stay on the positive side of my world, is uh, Randy Rosarena. I had a ton of yeah. Randy Rosarena this year. I was big on Randy Rosarena, eighth over on the Raider, 263, 20, and 32. I've been a believer in what he can do, and um, I thought he was just too much of a value. So that one, I'd say, worked out pretty, pretty good. I do – I just pulled up the play Raider because there's one I want to see because we do not have a name on this list that I am very curious about. And it was one Tyler O'Neill. Because he was going oh. right – Tyler O'Neill, he was going right next to Randy Rosarena. That was like always the conundrum in draft season was – O'Neal or um, Randy or Rosarena. So I'm trying to try to figure out where did O'Neal finish at the position. Um, and wow, am I having issues on I'm, this? I'm rusty with my bloom boards, man. What? What? Uh, why would O'Neal not make? They probably because he finished so low. He was the 53rd outfielder. No, he should have made the list. It's probably that. Uh, it's probably that stupid apostrophe in his name. People. people you're probably who, right. People who do databases and stuff like that on the fly, like I threw this list together without using IDs. Um, that's probably why. Probably that apostrophe. Yeah, but I just, I just want I, it just dawned on me because him and Rosarena always went side by side. And I was like, which one do I take? Do I want the power? Do I want yeah. the speed? I went more Rosarena, so that one worked out pretty well. Still have a lot of time to deal too. But uh, um, that was yeah, one he that, was uh, yeah 50, 53rd. So that was um, that you you were you were right there. I didn't. The thing with the Rosarena, like, and, and you. were I obviously missed this. Like I, I was surprised how much he ran. Yep. Like they just, he just they just had let a him go. full green light. It was, it was glorious. And and Justin explained to me why you'd take Cedric Mullins uh, at pick forty-one. He could have Randy Rosarena at pick seventy-three. Um, you can apologize to me now on that one because I actually had a better player than you with Cedric Mullins. So uh, we could talk about that next, anytime you next want. Week's, next week's going to be spicy. I'm going to like it at first pitch. Oh yeah. Have a little, See, a little like I, I'm I'm controlled when it's just us. In different zip codes, we're gonna be sitting next to each other with people in front of me heckling me, and I'm a very sarcastic person. So this is gonna be a fun podcast that uh, don't listen to in the car with your kids, probably. That's all I'm gonna say, um, especially if we're watching Game Six of the World Series. Um, the other thing we have to say here is biggest regret not drafting, and there's gonna be a lot of them probably. But who was your top guy to you regret not drafting? I mean, I think Judge is the answer. Yeah. Like teams. Most teams passed on Aaron Judge three or four times yep. in their drafts. And yep. that's something I need to go back and look on. Like, for whatever reason, I did not even consider Aaron Judge. Like, I, yeah. And I don't know why. Uh, maybe I just have this, this preconceived notion. Again, we're not perfect players. We're far from it. Just trying to learn and grow. That's why we're doing this. Uh, maybe just had this preconceived notion that Judge was injury prone. And... um I don't know, but I mean, I think that's the obvious answer for in terms of like biggest regret. Because man, yeah, I agree. That, <laughs> yeah, that that was the one. Like that's that's the easy one for pretty much everybody, not named Scott Jenstead or somebody else that took him in like the fifth round. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's the easy one to go with for sure. I'm 100 percent with you on that one. All right, we said at the beginning of the show, you guys came through in a great way. So we have a lot of fun questions, comments to go off of here and i'm just gonna go i hope i got them all so i'm gonna say we'll start with everybody the doc mike carter can't wait to see him next week in arizona um what do i make of the white Sox outfit luis robert and Eloy jimenez what where are you taking them are they overhyped this is a great one and i think we've talked about it before um because like i took lubob in our draft and i yeah. even on the live thing we i talked about it when i took him it's the ceiling's amazing but can't he stay healthy? And that's the frustrating. And same with Eloy. Uh, there's a lot of great tweets like Mike Curlin's puts them out and other people have. 
both elite talents. And when Eli was healthy at the back end of the season was great. Just can they stay healthy? And that's that's the tough part. So how do you look at those two coming into 2023? Um, tricky. And I, I, I disclaimer, I'm no doctor, but the like the constant uh, day-to-day and the way that Luis Robert finished 2022 just has me like so scared to draft him. Um, and I know you're, you're high on him. I I'm much more confident in Eloy who had 256 at bat. This was my, this was my Zach Allen argument um, coming into this season was how did they look when he finished? Was he healthy when they finished the season hitters pitchers a little bit different, but I'm so impressed with what Eloy did in the second half, 15 homers, 305 batting average, got a little bit lucky with the Babbitt, but the raw power, man, um, we just finished up his forecaster box. And I think he's, I think he's hitting 40 home runs next year if he's healthy. And just the fact that it was a hamstring, he had 256 again, second half at bats. That tells me that he finished the season healthy. He finished the season strong. Like, I'm taking Eloy over, and then I know they're totally different players. Like Eloy, you're getting no speed. Eloy's probably going to be a little bit cheaper at at the cost. I'm taking Eloy over um, over Robert next year. How crazy is this comment? Because I'll get probably a lot of crap for this at their their cost because they'll be much much different. But yeah. a healthy or a full season of Eloy, you said 40 homers, very realistic. How crazy is it to, to say you could get a Yordan like performance much later in the draft? From Eloy or from somebody else? From Eloy. If you if you like, oh. don't take your on where he's going. Wait, and uh, Eloy. I gotcha. Um. Yes, I mean, I like to make I like to make bold, dumb claims like this just to get people like thinking. So it's an idea. The only like I can't see, I can't see Eloy hitting three hundred. Where like I. I'm pretty sure Jordan can go out yeah. and hit 300. Um, that's yeah. the only thing. But from, yeah, yeah, I mean, you can get, you, so Jordan will be a second round pick. Eloy, man, who knows? I don't know, sixth, seventh, whatever. You could probably get similar, if not more power from Eloy, maybe like 20, 30 points fewer batting average. So it's a, it's a really good point. I like that. Yeah. Just an idea. Uh, Whole Camels asks, how far does Castellanos fall? Just a horrendous season oh. on the surface and underlying. Does he fall past pick 200? He will not go past pick 200, but he will fall. It was a very bad season, but maybe it's one of those, you know, first year of a contract guy. Let's get comfortable and fill There's a second year as well. It's first year, I think. First. And I see where it first, goes. But yeah. I, I think he's better next year. Let's put it that way. I mean, you can't really get much worse. He's going to play. I would absolutely take a flyer at. 200 i don't think it's gonna he's gonna go that low um this is someone again i'm just gonna i'm gonna take a look at the longer term track record and and trust that over one season bubble like you mentioned in a new town big contract all these expectations did not get off to a good start um philly can be a tough crowd and we know, how is. we know how castellanos is <laughs> he likes to be like a, a kind of a, yep. like a homebody quiet doesn't like all that kind of stuff so but I mean, just five by five earnings last last five years, 24, 21, 16, 30. And then last year, 16. Um, I think he goes back to being a $20 player next year. 
100%. It might also help having Harper there for a full season. Just going to throw that out there, too. That, that might help a little, little, little extra oomph in that lineup. You know, Reese Hoskins can't do it all, neither can Kyle Schwarber. Just going to throw that out there. Um, Scott Jenstead, just going to make the comment that we've been talking about. He said, I would have guessed Teoscar was lower, but guess he turned it around. Never felt super locked in, but that is probably letting the first half linger in my mind. That's what we talked about earlier. Um, one piece nugget said Adelise Garcia, question mark. Yeah, we, we hit on that one. Um, like I said earlier, we kind of missed on in our early draft, even after round seven, obviously. How high do you think he creeps up? Because his name's getting yeah. talked about a lot. Like he's almost setting people up for disappointment now. He, I mean, I think he needs to go in like the third round. I mean, yeah. he's one of four him, guys. Him or, Randy, went... him or Randy Rosarena, who you got? God, um, I'll go Randy slightly. I think it's really close. Yeah, that's the kind of fun stuff. And that's a good I, one, though. I think they should go pretty close. Let's put that way. That's why I mentioned them. But I think they should go pretty close. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see on, on Adelise Garcia. Casey Amspacker says have to think Castiano has the worst overall from this list, given he never saw an IL time. Right. And I think we got a lot of Castellanos burning on this one. So. <laughs> a lot of Castellanos. And he's still playing baseball. Uh, he's still play. playing baseball. People. He's got a game Friday night. I. It, the, the so the I mean one of the takeaways from that comment though is like and I mentioned this with who was it Trout like there is a difference between being having like a clean IL stint versus your Luis Robert um, where you're frustrated as hell every week and missing games with Robert where like Trout you know he's out when he's back he was back and you're good um, and then you can add on top of that replacement level so the ones that like yeah the ones that really got you are your guys who played every day your Miles Straw um, your Nick Castellanos yeah. who played every day were in your lineup doing that damage to you actively as opposed to maybe falling down on the Raider because they missed half a season yeah, 100% with you on that one. Um, it's funny because your picture on the tweet went to Akil Badu. So the fantasy shrink said, where's Bellinger? Listen to the podcast. He comes down farther down the list. A little bit further down. Yeah. Um, oh, God, what a career arc, man. MVP, like when you're, what, 24? And then this? I don't know. The, how the mighty has fallen. And uh, MVP when you're 24 about four swing changes later, and we're here. Um, that makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, swing change uh, after the MVP season. Yeah, I, yeah, no idea. Trademark XB1 says, based on the last two seasons, said Mullins has to sneak into the top 35 picks now. 90, 15, 60, 32, 70. I tend to think he isn't a 258 average guy, but also not a 291 guy. Is he a great return for your second, third round pick in a 15-team redraft league? I'm still a third round believer. I don't argue second though. I get it, but I'm still a third round believer. Um, yeah, you're gonna have to go. I think second to get him. Yeah. I mean, just back to back thirty stolen base seasons, and yeah, you kind of split the difference maybe in batting average. Um, man, it, like that. I mean, and I don't know. Accumulation is a double-edged sword like and i i I do a actually a bloom board on this early every year calendar year is i list out all the guys who have i forget what number i do um but like 600 plate appearances in a season how many of those guys did 600 again the following year 
it's 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 not much um and so mullen's like i don't want to call him an accumulator because he does have like elite speed with the, with the pop and the batting average but a lot of what he does you're banking on a third straight 600 at bat season and um i mean they're mutually independent uh marcus Semien can do it can be done it's just a lot of his values come from uh accumulation yeah it's pretty wild to see what he's doing but this is for a third straight year it's hard to argue that that's for sure oh, yeah. uh good old brent chester baseball hq Asks, uh, what do y'all think about Brian Reynolds counting stats? Hurt in some leagues last year. Thoughts on Corbin Carroll? So we'll start with Brian Reynolds, and we talked about it a second ago. It's like it started out slow, slow, slow. He got it going. Um, to me, I was I, I knew he had a decent season. Didn't think it was even that good. So that was was good to see with Brian Reynolds. But when you look at counting stats, like like he's uh, Brent's asking here, um, he still had the twenty seven homers as we talked about, but seventy four runs. 62 RBIs, both way down from 2021. Runs, I kind of credit. He's on a bad baseball team. They're going to get that a lot. Um, RBIs, you hope for more. Again, bad baseball team. So that might hurt there as well. And I guess that might be one of the hindrances to him going forward as long as he's in Pittsburgh. I don't know about you, Ryan. And that's where, like, and I know we just talked about, like, bad play or good players on bad teams or whatever. Bad yeah. players on bad teams. The, the flip side to that is like, so while it does give you like your VR, your Mateo who can get steals and run wild, flip side to that is Brian Reynolds. Um, I mean, you mentioned the stats, the, the 74 runs, the 62 RBI, like Brian Reynolds is someone who's good enough to play on pretty much any team. That's a profile that I would much rather see get shipped off to, I don't know, the Padres, anywhere, anywhere but Pittsburgh. He's the Yankees need a center just, fielder. Yep. So someone who does not benefit, absolutely, um, does not benefit from being on on Pittsburgh. Now you throw Jorge Mateo in Pittsburgh, that I like, that could but be not Reynolds. That could be very fun. And, and you know what the kind of a takeaway between the, the uh, good players on bad teams? They're usually value picks where Brian Reynolds you have to pay for. That's the difference. And so when you're paying for Brian Reynolds, you want those, you almost are counting for those stats, where when you draft Jorge Mateo, you're like, well, if it doesn't work, I'll drop him. And then it works out. So life is good. And that's kind of the beauty of those situations. Yeah. All right. He also asked, what do you think about Corbin Carroll for 2023? And I just wanted to bring up, you know, in, in um, his 32 games with the D-backs, four homers, two stolen bases, hit 260. But if you look at his double-A, triple-A numbers, 23 homers, 31 stolen bases, was raking. He's done it th- all throughout the minors. Dude's going to probably get full playing time next season. He's a guy that I'm not going to say he's J-Rod by any means, but I wouldn't be surprised if you got like a 2020 out of him. Like it, it could be a, a pretty nice season for Corbin Carroll. Yeah, I mean, if there's anyone who w- would do what J-Rod just did, it, it is Corbin Carroll. Yeah. Um, I think Brian Slack took him in the fourth round in our August. Yeah, he, he surprised a lot of us. It went pretty quick. So like that obviously doesn't mean much in a vacuum, but like, Corbin Carroll is going to be pricey because, like, I mean, he held his own. I mean, he hit he hit 260, 330 OBP and over 100 at-bats for Arizona with four homers, two steals. Like, he's going to play every day. He wasn't a platoon bat. They, play, they threw him out there against lefties. Um, yeah, like, I, I that said, I'm going to have a hard time drafting him because who are your other options? We just talked about, like, a Randy Rosarena in yep. like the third round. I mean, I'm Pro- taking proven Serena. Yeah. Someone who's done. I, and, and I've been burned by it before, right? but, yep. but that's just my philosophy is I, I need to see them show it in the majors. If I'm going to be spending like a top 
five round pick on them. So I'm probably not getting Carroll. I probably, you know, maybe get burned by it, but um, the opportunity cost up there is going to be pretty substantial, I think. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I've, I've been time and time again. That's hard for me to take chances. That's for darn sure. So we'll see how that one plays out for sure. I think we have another Justin Mason burner account. Um, Hitman1798 <laughs> said, another year, another must target in Mullins. Got to think the shift going away and the changes to, thro- to throws over to first only boost his value more. Um, Hitman, if you want to blink twice to let me know that Justin paid you, that'd be great. Um, I can't wait for next week, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be awesome to do this in person with him. Yep. Yep, you guys are gonna see me in my full force. It's gonna They've be got fun. they have a uh, yeah, in the oh, bus I, was there, a live pod. I was there last year after a few beverages, and um, that, that was after the Joey Weimer game, so I was hopped up on Joey Weimer, and I had a lot of fun because I had a lot of words for Spore because I drafted with him that day, and I told him how bad his draft was, so it was fun. Um, Richard Sands, I've talked about this earlier. I drafted JD Martinez in my main, I think I held him all year. At what point do you drop an underperforming player, especially one with as strong a background as he had over the last number of years? Seems like if you do, you drop him, he might bust out of it, and you'll regret it. That's the age-old conundrum, Richard. It's the We all have dropped guys that go off. We've all held on to guys that suck all year. And if you had the perfect formula, you'd be rich. That's all I can say. Yep. What if you What if you held on to J.D. Martinez and did not hold on to Marcus Semien? Like yep. it's just so it's it's I, I always lean on hanging on too long, especially the early round guys. I mean, you draft them for a reason. We put in all this prep in the off season for a reason. Um, sometimes it turns around. Sometimes sometimes it doesn't. And so I don't. Yeah. I, well put, Bubba. I do not have that answer. Uh, there is not an answer. There's no answer. Like unless no. you have the base, uh, the sports almanac from Back to the Future, you have no idea. You have no clue. It's just the way it goes. Um, like I told the story. Fun. I've told the story a million times on my show, so people probably hate it by now. Or you better have it memorized by now if you're a regular listener. Um, the year Matt Carpenter went off, and he started off super slow, oh, I dropped him everywhere. And then he went bonkers. And I finished like third in most of my leagues. Can you imagine what that would have done for my leagues? Like, it's just it's just one of those deals. And, you know, on paper, there's r- rumors of injuries, and this, that, and the other. And at the time, it looked great, but it sucks. I and mean, then we've all held on the guys too long. All the time, you mentioned we talked about Luis Robert. They never put him on the IL. You're not going to drop yeah. him if they don't put him on the IL. And it's just we should have, we should have dropped him. Like she couldn't have rostered him. So yeah, you never know. It sucks. Um, we've talked about earlier Ben Tibbs. Great comment. Um, Varsho being the 14th best outfielder is pretty incredible in my opinion. Shows that even if he ends up losing catcher eligibility one day, he'll still be super relevant. 100% agree. That guy's a great point by Ben. This is why he finished, I think, what, third in the overall in the main? I believe uh, so. Very, very smart, smart. Rich man now. Great guy. Um, Little Book of Calm came in with a late one here. Fire take. Juan Soto is a second rounder. I think we kind of leaned that that could be an option when we started off the show. Like, I still think he's a first rounder, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I I don't know. If this is my fire take. I I would have a I I might struggle pressing that draft button on Juan Soto in the first round next year. I mean, for the reasons I laid out at the top, I'm not going to hash him again. Well, but um, he but has yeah, some I, great. I don't know if that's fiery. Great, he has some great stats here. He says his only year over 30 home runs was the bouncy ball 2019. He's mm-hmm. a career 287 hitter, which is great, but 20 percent plus K percentage for three straight years means 351 isn't coming back. Um, one season of over nine stolen bases, only one. 
315 with 35 home runs would be a career year for him. Isn't he Freddie Freeman? He brought uh, the hammer with some of those stats. Yeah, those are pretty interesting stats. Brought the hammer. Um, so a couple things. So yes, those stats are all right. <laughs> Did have 29 home runs in 2021. So a little bit, a <laughs> little bit of little bit of cherry picking. I get it. I get it. The the thing with Soto, I think I've made this point before, but he just he walks so much. Yep. Like, and I, I hear this a lot, and we've done this um, research on HQ couple times where well yes like you like to see a good walk rate and guys get on base and that sort of thing but fantasy wise like walk rate has zero correlation with batting average and it actually kind of hurts sometimes because like Juan Soto yes the year he hit well he hit 313 in 2021 he only had 500 at bats um so like that's there's been studies out there like would you rather have a guy who hits 285 and 600 at bats or a guy who hits 300 with you know 475 or or 500 um the fewer the at bats the less amount of impact that that batting average has so uh, that's just one other thing i'd throw out there and just think like if you're watching a game or you're watching soto and you have him on your team and he draws a walk are you when you're like in that moment are you happy that he did that I'm not. I'm like, well, he didn't do anything for my my team. Maybe he'll steal. Uh, but again, I go back to the fact that he didn't run at all with San Diego. So and then I'm gonna I'm gonna make an argument and then it can be proved wrong real quickly here. But um I'm just gonna say it. Going into last draft season, everyone said why take Juan Soto early is on the nationals, the nationals suck, there's no protection, they're gonna walk him. That was very valid. Very valid. Still played well, but counting stats were never gonna be there in Washington. They just never were. Counterpoint. Went to a pretty good lineup in San Diego, and it got worse. So I guess pick your pick your poison there. But it goes back, I guess, to the question: if he like not just for Soto, I guess just in general, and it kind of you could bring Brian Reynolds back into this. Guys on bad teams might not get the opportunity for the county stats, and when you're drafting Juan Soto fourth overall, you might not be you might be like hoping for 275, 280, 30 home runs, but you're also hoping for like ninety plus, ninety plus, and that might be very difficult being on a bad baseball team. So. It's it's the more like I like I said it on our our um our L's episode. I need to do a much better job at like looking at overall production on certain situations. I guess when I draft, and that would be one of them. Like maybe Soto's a great ball player. No denying that at all. Like you said, he's probably a better real life player than fantasy player. Hundred percent. He's the Tony Romo of fantasy baseball. But um, it's just something to think about again when we're trying to like literally grasp at straws in these top even thirty picks. I'll say not even say first round picks. Like we're literally. No one would be shocked if this guy outperforms this guy and the next year it flip-flops. They're that good. They're that talented. It's like one hot week can separate the two. Like, they're that good. So you have to kind of literally look at the little things like who's around them in line, this, that, and the other. That's why Kyle Tucker, he's getting more love finally. But, like, the, even last year, he's on the freaking Astros. Like, he's going to be a beast, like, on that lineup. He needs to get more love. That could be the separating point between, like, him and Soto. Um, but just I'm, I'm, I'm rambling now because I haven't coughed in five minutes. But um, it's uh, it, it's just the little things. Like when we do these exercises, when we talk things out, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, you're an idiot. Why'd you do that? Yeah, okay. And that's why uh, I always tell people when I record these shows, it's almost more learning for me for my fantasy abilities than just the listeners that listen to our shows later. So mm-hmm. it's the good and the bad. But that wraps us up, Ryan. So um, final thoughts as we 
we went through the outfield pretty good. I thought we could have done like three episodes on this, but I'm glad we just did one because that'll keep us moving along here. But we've pretty much, we'll still do catchers because we're not, you know, we don't avoid catchers, but we pretty much finished offense. So what do you got here? Yeah, I think we'll do, yeah, we'll still got to do catchers, but um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's more, again, maybe selfishly, but the reason I wanted to do these reviews is just so nothing falls through the cracks on, on our end. Um, it's just interesting to see the general theme that I saw with outfield and corner infield. You had to go up top to, to get your, to get your return. And the, the middle was very hollow, the middle of the draft. That was the opposite pretty much for the middle infield. So it'll be curious to see like at some point that middle infield or that middle round tide has to rise. I'm interested to see once we get to closers and starting pitchers, um, what those middle rounds look like. Cause somewhere in the middle rounds, you had to do something Still or maybe not, not. maybe like, I don't know, maybe all the, maybe, you know, the early round value, those are the best players for a reason. True. And then you're, backfilling the guys who produce like that mid-round value by the end of the season those guys are all in the end game run waivers and maybe that middle rounds are just like he slams everywhere i don't know um it'll be interesting to, as we continue to the other positions yeah it'll be very interesting because we've said it time and time again that there's so many smart people out there now that like we I, like the K and dfs i do i do dfs content and we say like you know five years ago there was a massive edge to certain players but there's so much good content out now where it really evens out the playing field. And that's very true in season long as well. So you kind of expect the top, you know, X amount of rounds to be green. You, they should be green, barring like an injury. Like these are the best players for a reason. So then it depends on how can you find those values. We talked about like middle infield at that little second tier of value. And those other ones, that's how you can kind of mix and match. Now, will it be that way every year? No. So don't just walk into your draft room with this sheet for next year. That probably wouldn't bode well for you but it gives you an idea of where the pockets are potentially. And that's where it gets fun. And we'll continue to hash that out. We'll probably do like a complete review review episode and kind of maybe get an idea on how to piece together something later on and go from there. But um, before I completely lose my voice, we will wrap things up here. Um, I, I plan on being 110% next week. It's going to be great. Right. As long as we got some golf, we got some baseball, we got some fancy baseball, we got a live podcast. I, I'm not even kidding. I'm so pumped for. I've done one live show. Well, not live show. I've done one show with my co-host in the same room with me. Most fun show I think I've ever done. Just because you can see each other and you can it just it changes the the um, changes things. And, yeah, uh, I can't. I can't wait. We gotta. We'll we'll form up. We'll form up in a. I don't know if we'll do a review of another position or just do something. I got a, a lot more interactive. Ideas. So I got a couple ideas. We'll so. figure it out. But that'll probably be our next show, right? It will like, be. Like, that is our so, next show. Yeah, we probably yeah. won't record next week. Um, yeah, we'll record next Friday night, so it'll pitch. drop for you yeah. guys Saturday morning. I'll do it. I'll, I'll upload it in the hotel room, so you guys will have all that good stuff. And um, yeah, yeah, you'll get some weekend listening. So don't expect the midweek show. We'll get you later on. And uh, go from there. So, um, final thoughts. I know we talk, like final final thoughts as we head to first pitch Arizona. Now, there's going to be, and, and I I know listeners that don't go to first pitch Arizona don't probably care for us talking about it all the time. But there are, I think there's five total podcasts coming out uh, from live at first pitch. So mm-hmm. there's um, Sleeper in the Bust. There's Errol Cohen's podcast, Beat the Shift, HQ Radio. I believe pitcher list is doing one. Um, so just keep an eye out when those podcasts come out. They're really, 
really good um, pods, really good interaction. And so check those out. It's kind of like, kind of like a taste of being there. Um, a lot of fun to go back and, and yeah. then hear those when you're, when you're not in Arizona. So keep an, yeah, eye, keep an I, ear out for those, I guess. I recommend going to them because you can get the firsthand experience like Ryan's saying, and you can, um, and they're interactive. You can talk, they'll answer your questions right there. And it gives you kind of an idea and it's a lot of fun. So uh, check that out. Check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ. As he mentioned, they're working on the forecaster hot and heavy. It's October 26th as we record. Less than a month, you'll have the PDF of the forecaster. Yeah, keep that in mind. I didn't want to like – I see you sweating right there, Ryan. That's I'm sorry. scary, I man. Have, that's scary to think about. I just literally looked at the calendar at the top of my computer. I'm like, that's literally like less than a month away. A lot so to that, be done. So that's coming at you, coming at you fast. Um, so check that out and all that good stuff at BaseballHQ.com. I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick. Hope you guys have a great weekend, a good week next week. Catch you guys next time.